Welcome back to this show is not about menopause because menopause is only one day and that would be a pretty short show. Instead, we're talking about all things women's health every year before menopause and every year after. I'm very excited because I have fangirled our guest today for a very long time. I'm wanting to introduce you to the work of Louise Green and Big Fit Girl. And she is someone that I've followed for a very long time. I know members of the Menopause Chicks community follow her and benefit from her work and the shift that she is making in the women's fitness and health sector. So please welcome to the show, Louise Green. Thank you. I'm so excited yeah, to share oxygen with you. We were just talking about I that. I know, but I mean, I have followed your work. When did you start Big Fit Girl? Um, I started my fitness business in 2007. Okay. But Big Fit Girl came in at around 2016. Okay. So yeah. I started Menopause Tricks in 2012. I just feel like I've been following your journey, but primarily I've been following your messaging. You are so good at setting the record straight and shifting paradigms in the way that we think about women's health and fitness. So can you please tell us about your work and what's your mission? So the mission really started to make fitness accessible to people of all sizes. So and abilities and ages, really. Um, and I really felt like our fitness culture has been failing on that. So the way that we present fitness, the way that it's kind of uh, delivered in gym settings, the whole kind of vibe and culture around fitness has, I think, really been off-putting to a large audience. Yes. And therefore, you know, it kind of makes it inequitable. Health is inequitable because people feel intimidated and they feel like they they don't belong, they can't do it, et cetera, et cetera. So I've kind of been working on that for the last, you know, since 2007 to change that paradigm and to make fitness more accessible. Well, not kind of. You have been. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anybody else that's doing this important work that you're doing and you're influencing women at their own personal level. You're also influencing organizations and a whole sector. Yeah. So that was that's the second part of the business is that trying to change the fitness culture, I realized, wasn't about just saying to people, just go and, you know, find places that are inclusive. And because really we were send, sending people out into a world that really wasn't inclusive. So I realized very quickly that in order for this mission to be effective, we have to change the education system around mm -hmm. how we educate wellness professionals and personal trainers. And, and we have to change the whole culture and paradigm of how we're approaching this health movement. What was your personal journey of how you got here? My personal journey was a long battle with diet culture mm. um, and body rejecting, body hate, um, feeling less than feeling like I wasn't going to be worthy enough unless I looked a certain way. Right. And I would go to diet programs and they would tell me what the weight that I was supposed to be. And I was like, I haven't been that weight since I was 11. Like, I don't even know if that's possible in an adult body. And so I internalized that and felt like I was a failure and I couldn't do it. And how come everyone else could do it and I couldn't? And there was this situation where I joined a run clinic down in the West End here. And 
this was another quest to lose weight. Mm. And our leader stood up in front of us and said, I'm going to be your run leader. My name's Chris. Uh, I'll be with you for the next 12 weeks. And as I turned to look at her, I was like, she's got a body like mine. Ah. It was a bigger body. And through the um, coaching, through working with Chris for 12 weeks, there was never any mention of, guess how many calories we just expended or bikini season's coming or any of that rhetoric that served to this diet culture fitness vibe. And I realized through that experience that maybe I don't have to be battling my body. Like maybe I could actually just be an athlete in this body. And that's when I was like, people need to know about this. People need to know that they can engage in fitness and they can, like I've accomplished some very big fitness goals in a bigger body. And I think people, because there's such a lack of representation out there of larger body people doing that, people don't know what's possible for them. They think that they have to be smaller. They think that they have to be thinner or it was for, you know, days bygone when they were younger. Yes. And it's just not true. That is amazing. Now everybody needs to set their own goals. But I wanted to ask you, what are some of your accomplishments? Uh, Start with personal. And then I want to talk about some of your other accomplishments. You've got your book, your app, all the things. Yeah. Um, so in my business, the accomplishments surrounding the education piece mm. have been, um, we are now teaching the size inclusive fitness specialist at the university level for kinesiology students. So what I'm trying to do wow. is make sure that people get the training before they head into the field. It's not enough to be trying to train people when they've already, you know, potentially traumatize people right it's you know we we want to make sure that people are trained up before they get in so we're going to start with kinesiology and move into physiotherapy and hopefully medical professionals and really get this as part of the curriculum it's the standard status quo there is no size inclusive curriculum that is injected into these programs so people are just going in and training people under the modality of um, what it feels like to exercise in their own body. They don't know about the lived experience, the trauma that comes with having to face weight bias every time you go into a wellness space. So we've created this 15-hour curriculum. I am also going back to university. I was just ex- accepted into a leadership and social justice program. Um, so I'm starting that uh, to kind of hone my own curriculum and work at a university level, I felt like I needed to kind of get into that space myself. That is amazing. Yeah, that is, is so amazing. exciting. It's amazing because I don't have any post-secondary education. So they accepted my body of work over uh, these 17 years as an undergrad, and I'm going right into the postgraduate program. So it's going to be pretty amazing for me to learn and then bring that into my own curriculum. Um on a personal level, I'm, you know, doing Olympic lifting with yeah. my coach. So I'm still trying to perfect the snatch and the clean and jerks, um, you know, and I'm really working on being the strongest that I've ever been. Mm-hmm. I'm turning 52 next year. So Amazing. I just want people to know that there is no there is no bar here. There's no bar. You can go back to university. You can do whatever you want at any age. And, you know, life is just beginning, really. That's so great. And I, I love that future trainers and all of the other modalities, physiotherapists, the medical community at large that you mentioned, are now going to have this awareness 
Um, but the title of your continuing education, Leadership and Social Justice, I got goosebumps when you said that. So what does that mean to you? So this is the the curriculum that I'm personally taking. It's not my curriculum. It's um, at Yorkville University. So it is about leading with a social justice edge. And so what I think a lot of people don't realize, perhaps, is that when there's a lack of representation and when people in larger bodies go into fitness spaces or people that are in older bodies and people don't know how to deal with them, it creates this situation where it creates a negative experience. Mm -hmm. And therefore, those people tend to not come back Mm -hmm. or they have this very on again, off again relationship with fitness. And because we have this lack of representation and training in our wellness spaces, it's creating inequities in our health. And that, to me, is a social justice issue. This isn't something that's just, oh, we need to, like, you know, accommodate these fat people. It is more along the lines of we, this is this is creating health disparity. Yes. And so I want to lead with a social justice um, edge, I guess, per se, when I'm teaching other people to recognize that this actually impacts people's lives for the long term. If we look at studies on weight bias, um, there's there's a more chance of mortality in people that face weight bias on a daily basis. And that's what people are dealing with. And so I think it's really important that we recognize that this is something that is a kind of 911 because I agree. Our wellness communities, I mean, I want to be I want to be really transparent here and saying there's wonderful practitioners Absolutely. out there. You you know that Absolutely. within your own community, but the culture on a whole needs a makeover. Absolutely. And it's health disparity, I think is the word, the phrase that you use, but I will often say our generation is facing the biggest health crisis. And do you know how challenging, you know how challenging it is, but it is super challenging to talk to uh, women in particular who come to me and they, you know, they're in the moment. So heavy bleeding, sleep disruption, hot flashes. And I'm like, and osteoporosis. Like yeah. if if we don't prevent that, yeah. one in three of us are going to break a bone. Yeah. Um, and those aren't good statistics. And there's ways to prevent it. Yeah. But the education, the conversation is missing. Um, I had someone say to me this morning that she she acquaint, she used the phrase bias and prejudice, and she said it is really difficult to <laughs> advocate. For a group when you're actually a member of the group that is being that is receiving the prejudice. Mm-hmm. What do you think to uh, think about that? Um, well, I am Irish, so I'm pretty <laughs> loud and proud. Um, so I I I think that that's true. And I don't know what particular group they were speaking of when they spoke of the prejudice and bias. But I will say that when it comes to racial discrimination mm. and say gender discrimination there's there is the needle moving on yeah. the discrimination that that people are feeling and sensing in those marginalized groups when it comes to fatness the the studies will show that the needle is not moving that much and that is because we view this as a lifestyle choice right. if you don't like it don't be fat if you don't you know if you don't 
if you don't like to, you know, receive weight bias, then do something about it. And I think that that just shows that, you know, the ignorance of, mm-hmm. of, of why people are in larger bodies for one, but for two, um, yeah, it is hard to advocate for yourself. And I'm not sure if this person was talking about that specific group when it is viewed as this is your fault. You need to, you need to just get with the program and everything will be fine. When we look at the reasons why people are in larger bodies is it's highly complex. It is not in calories in, calories out in, in most cases. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know that from a hormone level, you know that from, you know, if we're not getting enough sleep, if we're, you know, all of the things that menopause can bring to, um, or perimenopause leading up to, right. It's like, there are many reasons why people may not be moving as much as society thinks they should, or they, why they don't look like. Uh, you know, the idealistic ways that we think people should. And um, it's easy for people that don't have that lived experience to say, well, if you just did this, and that's where we kind of have this group of wellness professionals that typically live in smaller bodies mm-hmm. that don't ever have those challenges that take the, that like kind of project their lived experience onto people. Well, you know, it's not that hard. Why can't you just do it? Because they're living in their own lived experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I bring lived experience to the work that I do. And I know that you do as well. But it's always about, like, can't we take quality information and expand upon it and then (laughs) uh, make sure that you have all of the options on the menu that are available to you and then you choose the journey that's right for you? Yeah. Like, that is my ultimate big hairy audacious goal yeah right um but when you know tell me about what the day in the day in a life is like for you like what are some of the wins and what are some of your biggest challenges still as we move move this conversation forward I think the um wins are that I I have a very engaged audience that is looking for what I'm offering so there's that I'm not battling with people that are you know, coming to the table for fitness. That's not the battle. The battle that I have found is that I thought that I would create this curriculum because I see that our industry really needs it. And it would go off like a house on fire and (laughs) everyone would take it. And, you know, we would move the needle. And what has actually happened is there's been a lot of disinterest because there's a few things going on. The gatekeepers of the industry mm. don't necessarily want to be size inclusive. Um, and also it it tampers with the capital capitalism mm-hmm. that's at play in in the model. Right. So if you are saying to a, a fitness industry on a whole, like we're just going to not push weight loss anymore and we're not going to try to get people into smaller bodies. Well, now what is their marketing angle? Mm-hmm. Right? So how are we going to well, sell yeah, There's this? a lot of mortgages that yeah. are based on that the, premise. Yes. And yeah. there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of stuff based on that, right? So this is this is what we've known as the norm. And so that's how you create repeat customers. Totally. Right? So if we take that away, then that then that's threatening. So um so there's that there's been that. That's been a big challenge. But then slowly what started to happen is I never thought we would be in it in universities. Right. But I've been speaking to social justice classrooms and I've been speaking to 
and easy because we have an audience that's ready to learn. Yeah. They're ready to go. They're already on board. And I have to say that the younger generations are more open mm-hmm. to diversity Isn't and that inclusion. encouraging? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I'm hearing some examples of some brands and some corporations getting on board. Every time I see the notion of that, I always think, oh, I wonder if they're consulting with Louise. Like, tell me about that. We've had a couple of wins. I've seen I've seen some new sizes at Lululemon or yeah. some of those organizations that never were there before. Yes. I think, again, when we come back to kind of that capital, capitalism model, mm-hmm. like it makes business sense, right? Especially if you're based in the United States where mm-hmm. 70% of the population is considered larger body. So if you're not serving them, you're just being you're missing. I don't want to say stupid, but yeah. you're saying you're you're missing a the huge share audience. of wallet. Yeah. So some of those inclusions are very about the bottom line. And mm-hmm. some of them are really authentic in that they're building it into the DNA of the culture of the brand. And I am seeing that with Lululemon, which is I I have to say under the other leadership that was there before, Mm -hmm. it is surprising to see, but it is, it is there. And we have some, you know, people that are in strong players in the plus size community influencers that are representing the brand. And, and so, you know, we are starting to see that, but we also see brands and I have worked with a few of them that are doing it more from the sense of we have to do it because this is, you know, this is the way the world's going. But I don't see they're offering the sizes, but I don't see the it being kind of buried into the DNA of their brand culture. Yeah, inclusivity. So yeah, I don't see like driver. I don't see the imagery on the website. I don't see the, you know, when people look at their sizing, can they see the size in a body that might be a 14 or a 16 or a 20? Yes. Or we go to a 3X, which is kind of like an 18, but then that's where we chop it off. We're not we're not willing to go. And also there's this kind of risk game with athletic brands. Like, do we really want to align with what is perceived as fatness when we're an athletic brand? So some of the brands will kind of like brush up against it because they know that their audience is there, but they won't commit fully to like the real extended sizing of like, say, a 26. I love that you said that because for anyone who's listening about where they want to put their dollars, you've kind of created a little bit like a nice screening process for us. It's like, check out the website, look at the imagery, not just on the particular product, but at large and what they're doing. Is there anything else that we need to be aware of as consumers? Um, uh, you know, if you've talked about the training and you've talked about maybe the clothing industry, but what else do we need to be aware of in terms of considering our health goals? Um, <clears throat> I think that it, it's really wise if you're looking to spend money anywhere yeah. where there is dialogue around inclusivity. And yeah. so inclusivity isn't just that larger bodied mm-hmm. person. That's what I specialize in, but I'm talking right across the board. Like you want to see people with different abilities and different people of color and people um, that are different age and different, you know, sizes and really having that when you go to a website and you see such a range, you can, you can guarantee that these people have really put a lot of thought into this organization and they've really stepped forward to represent, but that's still not enough. 
you want to make sure that the people it's particularly if it's fitness you want to make sure or anything that's wellness related that the people have the training the appropriate training because i've seen big box gyms that are now doing you know ads with people in larger bodies that make it look like it is inclusive but yet i have clients come to me that say they had the most terrible experience with a particular trainer on the floor and i think that and this goes to corporations too it isn't enough Mm -hmm. For you to put larger body people in your imagery and on your website, you have to trickle that down into your client promise. And that has to include training people. And, you know, I just did a a consulting with a really big company and, you know, they brought in the sizes, but they opted Mm -hmm. out of all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I hope that works for you. But I can tell you right now that this audience has been burned many times when we look at when we look at big promises and then things are pulled back, you know, we saw that with Old Navy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Huge, huge campaigns. And then they pulled everything back and they had, they had reason for that, but, but you've got to be committed to the whole inclusion. You can't just be slap a person on the front because that's just performative. I live that every single day. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but by 2025, the projection is that 1 billion women will have reached menopause. So you don't have to commit to anything to create a spreadsheet, insert 1 billion women and get your business case approved. Yeah. Right. And you can be like, oh, yeah, no, we've checked that box. We're serving women of this age demographic and you don't have to know anything. And then there's others. There's select uh, companies, brands, organizations who do take it seriously, who are, you know, focusing, investing research dollars, changing their health benefits at the empl- at their own employee yeah. level. And that's what really gets me excited. As you said, if it's part of the DNA of the whole organization, then yeah, I, I'll, I'll vote with my wallet. Exactly. There. And the thing is, is that women are smart. So if yes. you're not, if you're not, hello taking a deep dive on it like it's it goes noticed and particularly with with our audiences that have been burned in the past where they felt excluded and um you know they're they've got an eagle eye on it they've they're looking at okay how is this particularly progressive women that are that are really you know invested in where they where they will spend their money um you know it's not about the way people spend has changed. Mm-hmm. It isn't about oh, what's the best product. There's often a social element to it now. Ethics. Ethics and social elements. Yes. And, and, you know, this kind of like justice part to it where it's like, okay, is that where I want to spend? And I think people need to really understand that and be careful when you're going to approach a certain audience and make sure you do it right. Absolutely. So what can women at the consumer level, what can we expect working with Big Fit Girl? And what would you like to see us do? Because you mentioned we're smart, but we're also great communicators and we're good at spreading the word. So what is it that you'd like to see us do? Um, Well, at Big Fit Girl, we offer fitness for everyone. So um, if anyone is interested in moving their body in a way where it doesn't feel punitive or you know out of their reach or where you're just going to have kind of that crappy feeling when you're showing up this is a place where um 
you can come and sweat and find your personal victory at any size, age, or ability. And I'm sure you feel very similar to this. I can't take credit for the community. The community mm-hmm. is on fire. Right. And everybody champions and cheers everybody on. Even yes. if people say, I didn't do anything this week. I couldn't muster it up. Everyone's like, no, you know, like right behind them and championing them to, you know, really have an experience that a lot of people haven't had before. So there's That's that beautiful. aspect. But yeah, I want people to spread the word that really you can... You can be an athlete at any age and size. And I use the word athlete because to me, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says a person who's proficient in fitness and sport. Our society has kind of made up their own idea about what athleticism looks like. And, you know, so is marketing and media. And if you suit up and show up and you have the desire to move your body, I call everyone an athlete. So there is an athlete that lives in every one of us at various levels. And there is no time like the present to unearth it if that's what you want to do. Uh, what it does for mental health is incredible. Um, if you are going through changes in your body, um, which I am also, I just find it an incredible source to uh, feel good and feel overall well. What needs to change? Um, what needs to change is creating more spaces like that where people can just come and you know, show up and, you know, I always say live their athletic dreams without having fear or intimidation. And so unfortunately, I thought we could do that very in a more steadfast way, but it actually requires changing the culture, which means changing the education system, which means changing how people are thinking and understanding other people's lived experiences. You're very inspirational to me. When you speak, I see how it relates to the movement that I'm trying to work in every day and moving women's health forward, awareness, changing conversation. Um, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Uh, Show us your book. Oh, this is is your most recent one. Yeah. Yeah. Fitness for everyone. And this is... um, Actually, 50 exercises for every body. And so we literally have. It's beautiful. Every body in here. Um, You know, people that uh, have disabilities, people that are in pregnant bodies, older bodies, bigger bodies, everybody. Modifications. Yes. Yes. For every exercise, there's four modifications. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. It's amazing. And it's also inspiring to couple what you just said about, you know, an athlete lives in all of us and that it's never too early or too late, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I will talk about, you know, we reach 50 and we have 50 more years to plan for. That's really exciting. Um, And, you know, women are running, like midlife women are holding up the world right now, but we're running the businesses, we're running the, the corporate offices, we're running the marathons, we're running for office. Like it's this moment where we actually can step forward and make a difference in our own future and for those that come after us. I really feel like midlife for yes. women is our most most powerful position. Yes. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's really exciting. And it's nice to speak with someone who's making positive change. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of challenges that we can come up against. But there's also a lot of things that we can celebrate. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing yeah, this thank with you. me. Bye.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know you have many options for where you spend your time, so I am grateful you chose this show. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, do all the things, and follow me on social media at Menopause Chicks, and follow Louise at BigBitGirl.com. Once again, I'd like to thank all the people who support this show and share my mission for women's health, Vichy Laboratoire. Ferapro, Feel Amazing Vulva and Vaginal Moisturizer, and Intimate Wellbeing. You can learn more in the show notes, plus a big shout out to the team here at Oh Boy Productions. And remember, someone you know needs this information. Maybe it's you, maybe it's someone you love. Thank you for sharing and see you next week on This Show Is Not About Menopause. Wellbeing, founded by Cass and Leah, is elevating the conversation around women's sexual health. And I am so grateful they have invited me along for the ride. Sexual health is health. And Cass and Leah have taught me that embracing my joy is a key part of a healthy midlife. Speaking of joy, they are the founders of my new favorite personal lubricant, Okanagan Joy. Together, we've reviewed the best sex toys for midlife, hosted information sessions for their community and mine, and fostered a new generation of confident women living their best midlife and beyond. Learn more at IntimateWellbeing.com and be sure to click on Menopause Chicks Picks.